Jazz Notes Podcast, Tuesday, August 29th. We are less than two months away from the NBA season kicking off. Me, Ben Anderson, host of uh, Jake and Ben Show on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, also your Utah Jazz Insider at kslsports.com. Chandler Holt, our producer at kslsports.com. What's going on, Chandler? How's it going? I'm doing well. Excited to talk some jazz basketball as we do every Tuesday. On the Jazz Notes podcast, you can download it anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find it at kslsports.com. All right, Chandler, uh, we are a little bit in the dead season of the NBA, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot to talk about, including the most recent Jazz Notes. Uh, We will get to that. Uh, We will also talk some uh, best and worst case scenarios for the Jazz specifically. Are they better than these teams? Are they worse than other teams in the Western Conference? I think that's going to be a fun experience, uh, and we'll do that a little bit later in the podcast. But let's start with the uh, little bit of news, some housekeeping stuff. Uh, The Jazz announce a game against the Los Angeles Clippers coming up in Hawaii in the preseason on October 8th. And man, this is going to come very quickly, and it's actually a part of a two-game series because the Jazz will then uh, travel to Seattle and they will play the uh, Clippers once again, I believe, on October 10th. So a couple of cool uh, games there. Uh, as the NBA continues to try and make the uh, the game a little bit more global. And shout out to the Jazz, Clippers, and the NBA, because all proceeds from the game will go to the Maui Strong Fund. Love to hear that. Um, and also just whenever NBA games go to Hawaii or Mexico City or any other place they have been in the past, I love to see it. It's always good to get a different crowd, new experience. Well, this will be the third time the Jazz have played in Hawaii in the preseason. They last did it in 2015 when they played Kobe and the Lakers. Uh, they did two games there. They're only doing one this time, and then they made a stop in 1993 as well. So you know, every uh, I mean, this is this is certainly more recent than uh, the gap between 2015 and 1993. Uh, and then yeah, going up and playing in Seattle as the NBA wants to keep a stronghold in that area because eventually Las Vegas and Seattle, I think, will both get teams again, and probably in the next five seasons. Hopefully, you know, I'm from Seattle, right? And uh, right now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a temporary jazz fan i'm here I, I like to root for the jazz but as soon as seattle gets a team they will definitely be up there for you're a man well. without a country yes exactly so do you hate the thunder um funny enough when they first moved i was a thunder fan for a little bit but okay i eventually grew out of that i know a lot of people have a vendetta from that area i mean a lot of people lost their jobs yeah. that's the crazy thing like this is their livelihood you're a radio host you cover the team like yeah i can't uproot my entire family to move from seattle to Oklahoma City, which I haven't traveled a lot in the NBA, but Oklahoma City, by all accounts, is probably the worst stop on the NBA schedule, where Seattle was one of the best, because Seattle's a cool town. Exactly, and at the end of the day, Seattle is a basketball town. I mean, we love the Seahawks, we love the Mariners, but it's a basketball town. There's a lot of great basketball players from Seattle, and they deserve a a team. Really good high school culture. A lot of really good players. Nate Robinson, Jamal Crawford, Quinn Snyder, a lot of really, really good players have come from the area. So, uh, if you count Mercer Island as a... As Seattle, does that count? Close enough. You're from the area. Yes, I am. It's a. Uh, it's pretty close. It's around an hour. It's like ritzy dudes. What is it? <sighs> I wouldn't say so. I would say no. It's a, Mercer uh, Island's like tough. Um, it isn't tough. Let's go in the middle. Okay, <laughs> it's, in the middle. it's like the sugar house <laughs> yeah. of, of the area. All right. Uh, so Jazz going to play uh, in Hawaii uh, in the preseason NBA. Uh, as I've said, uh, also playing preseason games all across the world. Uh, the Mavericks and the Timberwolves are going to be playing in Abu Dhabi. So uh, very interesting uh, as they try and uh, branch out a little bit more across the league. Uh, All right, let's talk about the latest with the FIBA World Cup. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you view this, two Jazz players today saw their FIBA World Cups come to an end. And it is the Jazz two best players, arguably their two best players, certainly their two leading scorers from last season. Larry Markkinen in Finland and Jordan Clarkson in the Philippines both go winless. 
Yeah. That's that surprising. surprising. Uh, I saw, you know, two of those games for the Philippines were pretty close. Uh, they lost to the Dominican Republic early, which ended up winning uh, that group, and they advanced to the round of 16. But that game was very close. Uh, went down to the final couple of possessions. Also close uh, today, Philippines lost to Italy and Simone Fontecchio. Uh, and an emotional Jordan Clarkson. And you know what? The fans booed the coach. I won't be surprised if this is the last time we see Jordan Clarkson represent the Philippines, unfortunately. Very true. And when you look at the two players who lost, Markinen and Clarkson, to be honest, it was, quite a, it was sort of the Jordan Clarkson and the Markinen show for Finland and for the Philippines. And if you look at Olenek, Fontecchio, and Kessler, like, Fontecchio may be the best player on Italy, but it's not the Fontecchio show. You it's know? a good it's, roster. It's, it's a good roster, exactly. But for the other two, they're sort of do or die for their team. They're putting everything they have out there on the line. And they played great. Markinen in... A big loss in the first game to Australia. He put up 19-8-4. In a loss to Japan in the second game, he put up 27-12, and a great game. Yep. And Clarkson was going off in every single game. A little bit of turnover problem, a little bit of shooting problems, but he had 28-7-7, almost a triple-double in his first game. That was a six-point loss to Cat in the Dominican Republic. Yep. And then 21-7 and seven assists and a loss to Angola. Uh, not a good game today from Lowry Markinen, but he only played 22 minutes, 12 points, mm-hmm. two rebounds, no assists. They were... Rightfully so, trying to make sure he didn't get hurt. Yes. And that's just fine. Uh, here's the uh, teams who have advanced. There's still another group of games tomorrow, but who will be in the group of 16? As you mentioned, the DR, Dominican Republic, and Italy advance at a group A. Group B, those teams haven't locked it up yet. Serbia uh, and Puerto Rico are the favorites right now. They're in the lead, but they haven't locked it up. Team USA has already advanced at a group C. Greece, New Zealand, and Jordan still in the running. Team USA will play Jordan tomorrow morning in their final game. Lithuania and Montenegro have both advanced at a group D. Germany and Australia advance at a group E. Slovenia Uh, And Georgia in the lead right now in Group F, but have not locked that up. Spain has advanced from Group G. Canada and Latvia. Latvia has maybe been the surprise from this group so far of anyone in the the, uh, FIBA World Cup playing without uh, Chris Dapps-Porzingis and still playing very well, uh, including stunning France in that second game uh, and eliminating Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert only takes one shot. His uh, his fall from being the premier defensive center in the NBA might be somewhat precipitous. I hope that's not the case. I like Rudy Gobert. But uh, he's he's fallen back. I mean, didn't make All-NBA last year, didn't even make the All-Defensive teams. He's got a huge season this year. He's got to play a lot better than he did last year. 100%. I want to go back to Fontecchio because uh, a few episodes ago, you said that Fontecchio might have the most important run in FIBA of all the Jazz players because he isn't guaranteed a spot on an NBA roster. Um, and he's played great. And he led Italy, who maybe wasn't expected to get out of the first round, out of the first round. So, And we'll see if they can make some noise in the group of 16. So uh, we will see. They will get reseeded after tomorrow when all the uh, games are finished. And then we'll get into the more serious play. And, of course, they wrap up next week. So it's going to be fun. Uh, I think it's been a fun thing to cover so far. Good to get some jazz players out there. Good to get some experience. But, yeah, if you're uh, Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge and probably even Will Hardy, some high fives today that your two best players that you're going to rely on the most escaped unscathed. Yes. And that was the goal. You've got some experience, but now you're done. That's just fine. And the other two guys, I mean, you want Olenek. Olenek's important. I think he comes off the bench this year. Simone Fontecchio, you just hope he has a good season and is worthy of being on the roster beyond this year. Walker Kessler's playing four or five minutes. As long as he doesn't get hurt in practice, he should be okay. Olenek has looked like one of the best players on Canada's roster. I mean, they have a. I think he's their second best player. Yeah, I was about to say in the first game, uh, thirty point blowout over France. Real quick, SGA has been incredible. He's had twenty five plus points in every single game. But Olenek, he had eighteen and four in that first game. Next game, he had twelve, eight, and five in a fifty five point win over Lebanon. That's ridiculous. And then fifteen, six, and four in a win over Latvia. Yeah, the three guys who have had huge breakout performances in the FIBA World Cup so far, NBA players, I should say. 
I don't want to say Shea had a breakout. Shea's an all-star and I think was All-NBA first team last year. Yes. He beat out Donovan Mitchell and Donovan got mad about that. Uh, but Shea's been a superstar and might win the gold as the best player on that team. Canada's yes. very good. As you mentioned, they, these have basically all been blowouts. Today was a little bit closer, but they mm-hmm. pulled away at the end. Uh, Anthony Edwards for Team USA and Austin Reeves for Team USA. Those have been the three young NBA guards that are really blowing up right now. But Kelly Olenek's been the second best team on Team Canada, or second best player on Team Canada. Uh, he's he's just a very good player. He's he's a veteran. They kind of they really respect him a lot because he was the guy who was doing a lot of international basketball even before Canada became a thing. And I think this is their first time advancing in FIBA play since like 2002 or something crazy. Like they mm. they are not. A juggernaut historically, but uh, but will be a force to be reckoned with, I think, for the foreseeable future. Yes, and last and least, if we're talking about playing time, Walker Kessler, he had no stats in a blowout win over New Zealand, played about a minute and a half at the end there. But in against Greece, he got on the uh, on the floor for six minutes, and he recorded four points, one rebound, two good blocks. And tomorrow, the USA plays Jordan. When we come back, we're going to break down the teams in the Western Conference. Are they better than the Jazz? Are they worse than the Jazz? That might give us an ability to kind of rank where we think the Jazz should finish and whether or not they can make the playoffs. Stick around. More Jazz Notes coming up. Welcome back to the Jazz Notes podcast. Let's let's break down the Western Conference. And I think this is a creative approach. I like the way you did this, Chandler. Team by team, are they better or are they worse than the Jazz versus just trying to figure out, hey, how do the Jazz stack up in the Western Conference? If you go one-off by this, I think this is a good exercise to figure out who belongs where and and if the Jazz really are a threat to make the playoffs because I think they are at face value, but it's easy to just say, well, 10 teams in the West make the, make the play-in at the very least, so the Jazz should be in the top 10. But are there 10 teams better than the Jazz? Like, that's very realistic that there could be. So let's go through this. Do you want to just go off the NBA standings from last season? Yes, that's We'll just go off on. the West and, and just start with who finished number one and work our way down. So starting at number one, 53 and 29 last year, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are better. And I think Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA by a lot. I think the closest player is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. But we have seen this elevation of Jokic's game, which is so consistent. I love Giannis. At his best, I think Giannis can be the best player in the league because he can also be the best defensive player in the league and he can give you 40 or 50 like he did in a closeout game to beat the Suns. I mean, all-time one of the great playoff performances we've ever seen, but he doesn't do it every night. Mm -hmm. And Jokic has gotten to the point where he does it every single night. You can count on him for a triple-double and 30 points in the playoffs every game. I can't say that with Giannis. Uh, Denver Nuggets, better than the Utah Jazz. Easily, and for the Jokic Giannis debate, it's would you rather have defense or rather have playmaking? It's like if you have Jokic on your team, you're going to get scored on most possessions because he's either going to score on you or he's going to find the open man. And he truly makes people around him better, yes. which is an underrated and somewhat overused phrase. A lot of guys don't actually make players better. They take away attention. He makes you better. Yes. Next, second seed in the West last year, 51-31, and 31, the Memphis Grizzlies. They won't be as good this year because Jaw's going to miss the first 25 games of the season, but they do bring in Marcus Smart, but they are better than the Utah Jazz, plain and simple. Uh, I do think there's going to be some weird culture stuff. I do wonder if uh, just the number of issues they've run into will sour that roster. That happens. It happened with the Jazz, I think, in the last couple of seasons, but Memphis Grizzlies will be better than the Jazz, even if they're not better than they were last year. And I think a lot of... Their record next year will depend on how they can perform without Jaw. Will guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., even role players like Steven Adams, be able to step up and give a little bit more production in his absence? But I agree. Memphis Grizzlies will definitely have a better record than the Jazz. Next, the third seed last year with a 48-34 and record, we have the Sacramento Kings. I don't know if Sacramento's going to be better than they were last year. It's hard to imagine they're going to be the third seed again. 
I think that was a little fluky. But 48 wins is not a crazy number of wins. There just weren't a lot of wins in the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, 53 is usually not good enough to win a conference. Denver did last year. Sacramento at 48 wins. I I won't be surprised if Sacramento wins 50, I guess. But they're definitely better than the Jazz. I mean, that's not the question. Sabonis and, and Larry Markin are pretty eye-to-eye. And then De'Aaron Fox is probably better than the Jazz second-best player. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the West last year, there's only a five-game difference between the four-seed and the ten-seed. So... Who knows if it'll be that close this year? But I agree. I think the ja- I think sorry. I think the Sacramento Kings will have a better record than the Jazz this year. Uh, coming up next, maybe a. I think that this team will have a better record in the upcoming year, especially with their new additions. We have the four seed, forty five and thirty seven, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, uh, my questions for the Suns will only pop up in the playoffs, uh, but during the regular season, they should be a juggernaut. In fact, I would probably pick. I, I might pick the Suns to win the West. I, I'll probably be back and forth on that throughout the summer, but. Just as far as raw talent, they are designed to be a juggernaut in the regular season, and I think they will have some holes that emerge in the playoffs, which has been the case for them for the last couple of years. So that's not going to change necessarily just by adding Bradley Beal, who's never really won anything important in the playoffs. I good, think, but I think losing Chris Paul also hurts. I think that there's a very good chance that the 1-2 and seed next year will be Denver and Phoenix. Moving on to number 5, we have the first of two LA teams. They had a 44-38 and 38 record last year, the Clippers. Man, they better be better than the Jazz. Yes. But I'm no longer... I picked them last year to win the West uh, during last summer. And obviously, they were very disappointing. And yes, Kawhi injuries hurt. But Kawhi's always hurt. He's always he's always injured. So I'm not changing my opinion on that. They're better than the Jazz. I think they'll have a better record than the Jazz. That's maybe the most dicey of the questions we've had so far. But I think they'll be better than the Jazz. But I have no faith in them doing anything important. I agree. It's time for, they need a shake up. They need to, they need to mix this up. I know uh, David Locke specifically has talked a lot about them maybe targeting Donovan Mitchell going forward. That would make some sense. They need some young blood. They need to, they need some some health. You know what? That 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 trade for Paul George ended up being an L for them. Even mm-hmm. though Kawhi wouldn't have gone without making that trade, uh, Shea, Shea's better. Shea Gilds Alexander is a better player. True, and they've also been attached to James Harden rumors, so yeah. I think that that could potentially happen as well. Moving on, this is a team I'm very confused about. I have no idea what their year could look like next season. We have the Golden State Warriors as the sixth seed with a 44-38 and 38 record. I think we're overthinking Chris Paul's fit. Chris Paul's a good player still. The Suns at their best were at their best because Chris Paul was playing really well. Mm-hmm. And the year before that, he made Oklahoma City really good. And the year before that, he made Houston really good. Like, Chris Paul, when he plays well... His teams win a lot of games and reach conference finals, at least. And Chris Paul only has to play 20 minutes a game and may not start on this team. But, yeah, it's different than what they do in Golden State, but he's really good. And if he only has to play 20 minutes a game and can stay healthy, this actually might be an ideal situation for an aging Chris Paul, and it will make the life of everyone around him easier. The Warriors' biggest problem with last year was they looked like a completely different team when Steph Curry wasn't on the floor, yeah. and I think that Chris Paul could be a big help for that. Yeah, he's better than Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole puts up better numbers, but he's not as good a player. They're better than the Jazz, though. Moving on, made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year, despite being the seventh seed. Uh, the Lakers, forty-three and thirty-nine record. How do you think their regular season will be next year? Uh, way better. They were really good after they traded Russell Westbrook. That was their best move. It was not that they added Malik Beasley or Jared Vanderbilt. Beasley basically never played. Vanderbilt is a good piece, but it also cleared room for uh, the usage of Austin Reeves. We mentioned him and his FIBA play to skyrocket. He's going to make a huge leap forward this year. I think he's going to compete for an all-star spot because he plays for the Lakers and his fan vote might get him in, a la Andrew Wiggins starting in the playoffs not too long ago. Uh, but he's also very good. I've, I've compared him 
not because they look similar, but I've compared him to Jeff Hornacek. You know, Jeff Hornacek got to the Jazz and, and took them to the next level as the number three guy. We know the Lakers' top two are very good in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Having a legit number three is going to be huge for them. And there are nights where he will be the best player on the floor for the Lakers, which is really saying something with two future Hall of Famers. Better than the Jazz. Next, at the 8th seed, this is where I think we get into the Jazz territory. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were 42-40 and 40 last year. They are my favorite team to be the Sacramento Kings of last season. I think they are going to ha- host uh, a playoff series next year. This is my hottest take of the year. I certainly have questions about their front court with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Can Cat take a back seed to Anthony Edwards? Anthony Edwards is the best player on that team yes. by a lot. And can Rudy Gobert rebound to where he was with the Jazz? Maybe he can't. Maybe he's hit that 30-year-old mark and is no longer as good as he once was, not as quick as he once was. That's very possible. But Anthony Edwards will be the best player Rudy Gobert's ever played with. He's better than Donovan Mitchell is already at this point because he's better on the defensive side of the floor, and he's way bigger. And he's younger. So I, I think I think Anthony Edwards is about to be a superstar in the NBA, uh, and I think he moves them up into the top four in the West. I'm with you on that. I don't know about top four, but I think that their season completely depends on the jump that everyone is expecting Anthony Edwards to take. I think it's really hard to work Rudy Gobert into a rotation. I think it's really hard. And then Cat got hurt, and he had the calf strain last year that they didn't want to turn into an Achilles, so he missed like 45 games in the middle of the year. Uh, they will be healthier. Anthony Edwards will be better. Rudy won't be as surprised by his role change. Hopefully he's not fighting Kyle Anderson on the bench, and uh, they're a better team. But they're better than the Jazz. Yes. Next, we have the New Orleans Pelicans, another team like the Clippers, where I think it depends on how healthy they can stay. I think the Pelicans are a mess. And I think I the rumors of wanting to trade for Scoot Henderson before the draft is going to come back and haunt them. I don't believe Zion wants to be in New Orleans. I don't. I, even if he enters the season healthy, he's going to play 10 games and be out. Uh, hot take, the Jazz will pass the New Orleans Pelicans this year. I think the Jazz finished with a better record just because I think they're more consistent. New Orleans has a higher ceiling than the Jazz if Zion can play, if Jonas Valanciunas can be out there, C.J. McCollum plays well, and Trey Murphy takes that jump that a lot of people expect. I don't know if he is going to. I don't know if he's going to get enough shots, but he's kind of that big combo forward I think a lot of people are banking on. Uh, But I think just because of the Zion issue, the distractions they have, I'm going to say the Jazz finish better than the Pelicans. I could definitely see that. And... I think if the Pelicans don't find a lot of success this year, I think Zion moves on either this year or the next offseason. And they should trade him before he loses all of it. I, I, they should have traded him already because yes. if he gets hurt again, his value is going to drop significantly. Uh, I think they should have traded him already, but I get it. He, he When he's on the floor, he's one of the 10 best players in the NBA. He's just never on the floor. Next up, we have the 10 seed, 40-42, and 42, OKC Thunder. I think the Thunder is another team that could potentially take a big jump this year on uh, the back of it's, Shea. It's hard to say Shea gets better. Again, he was All-NBA first team, but he might be better. And then Josh Giddey's going to get better. I think Chet actually is going to be able to play a little bit. He gets that Ben Simmons bump of not playing his rookie season, but comes back for his second year. Still considered a rookie, but has traveled, has had some weight gain experience, has done, done a couple of summer leagues now. He's not going to be great. I still don't love that they didn't address their size issues this offseason. They're still going to have problems with that, but they're good. They're And they probably should be better than the Jazz. Next, a team that was lower than expected last year, and I think it's fair to say they will have at least a positive record this year. We have the Dallas Mavericks, who were the 11 seed, 38-44 and 44 record last year. Nightmare season. Christian Wood was a terrible addition. He remains unsigned, probably for a reason, though I think he's getting slept on. Uh, Luka will be good. 
I think they had a good offseason. I think they had a good offseason. They went out and they made some additions. We'll see if Dante Axum can actually make it. He's been playing well for Australia at FIBA, so that's kind of fun. But th- they had a strong summer, added some defense. Hopefully they're a little bit healthier in the front court. <sighs> I mean, I picked Dallas to make the conference finals last year, and they were so disappointing. But they tried to lose. I don't, I'm not a huge believer in Jason Kidd. His message might run thin on teams at this point. Uh, and maybe if they're bad again, Luca asks out, and that's got to be a dream scenario for the Jazz. But I, uh, yeah, the Dallas is better than the Jazz, though. Even last year they were bad and they were a joke, but they were only a game better than Utah. So weird season. They will be better this year. I think you can't really expect a team with Luka Doncic to be bad at the end of the day. Yeah. He's, he's that good of a talent. Unless he quits. True. He has some quit in him. I think the biggest question is, as we saw at the end of last year, is how well can Kyrie Irving and Luka mesh? Oh, man. What a joke. What a nightmare. <laughs> Up next, we have past the Jazz, one team below the Jazz last year, Portland Trailblazers with a 33-49 and 49 record. I don't think Scoot Henderson is making them much better than they were last year. Yeah, I think we can loop all these three teams together, Portland, Houston, and San Antonio, Houston should be better. They have a mandate to win. I think their general manager gets fired if they don't start winning more games. Uh, but does Fred Van Vliet, you know, alone really make them a lot better? I know they went and spent a little bit of money in Houston to, to make that team better, but they're not a playoff team. They're still really young. They still want Jalen Green and Alpern Sangoon to, to get minutes and develop. And Fred Van Vliet by himself is not going to get you to the playoffs in the West. So they're good, but, I mean, they were 15 games worse than the Jazz last year, who were pretty mediocre. no. Houston's not better. Portland's definitely not better. They need to tank for the number one overall pick, but this is not a good year to get the number one overall pick. And then the Spurs will be better because I think Big Vic steps in and does some things, but they ain't good. No. They're not a good team. So, uh, no, Jazz are better than all three of those teams for sure. I think the only other team I said the Jazz are better than that I think, and this was a bit of a hot take and I could easily be wrong, is the Pelicans. So that puts the Jazz one spot better than they were last year, but still on the outside of the playoff looking in. I would have them ranked 11th overall and just missing the play-in tournament. And looking at the teams above them, Denver, Phoenix, Memphis, Sacramento, Clippers, Golden State, Lakers, Minnesota, OKC, and Dallas. I think that Minnesota, OKC, OKC, and Dallas are the only teams that the Jazz could potentially get above and sneak into the play-in tournament. And I think all three of them got better than they were last year just by bringing in... You know, either rookies that didn't play a la Chet Holmgren or going out and getting some veterans or hopefully meshing better in the backcourt in Dallas. So that's where it's tough. That's why I like this 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 model, this exercise that we're going through, because I could say, oh, yeah, in concept, the Jazz should be the seventh best team in the West. But if I actually go team by team, I don't see 10 teams that they're better than or five teams or six teams that they're better than that would push them into the play in tournament. Of course, injuries will dictate the season quite a bit. You know, if Anthony Davis and LeBron James miss 50 games, the Lakers aren't making the playoffs, and that's not crazy. At some point, father time will catch up to LeBron James, and I hope it doesn't happen, but Kobe lost his Achilles. You know, like, it, it does catch up to you. Anthony Davis is half man, half glass. He, he just doesn't play very long. So, and, and maybe the Warriors drop off if Steph doesn't have a good year, because that team is ancient. Chris yes. Paul's old. So, all the reasons I said these teams are better could backfire with a couple of injuries. And someone will get mad, and some team will blow it up and tank, and that could happen as well. That could be the Pelicans. Could be the Pelicans. Could be the could be the Tim or excuse me the uh, the Mavericks. So there's a couple of teams out there, and I do think the Jazz should get better just by being together for a year. I do think losing Mike Conley is a big deal. Yes. Quickly, we can talk about uh, give a quick recap of the most recent Jazz top fifty, and then we'll get into the mailbag. Let's do it. Uh, forty four to forty one. Starting at forty four, we have Danny Shays, Howard Isley. Blue Edwards, and Aaron James. Uh, A fun group of players. We also announced today Jeff Wilkins was on the list today. 
important role players. No brief stars. And I think we start getting to that point uh, every uh, every day at 1130, Mon- 11.30, Monday through Friday, excuse me. We announce these on the Jake and Ben Show on 97.5. We also tweet them out. We put them on Instagram. Uh, you can find those at KSL Sports. Guys who played important parts on pretty good jazz teams, including the first teams that ever made the playoffs in Utah, they never made it in New Orleans, or guys like Howard Isley who were big contributors on finals teams. Those are, I think those guys matter when you're talking about the 50 greatest players of all time. But again, yeah, you can go find the complete list at kslsports.com, and we announce the next number every day at 1130. Absolutely. And tomorrow we're moving on to the top 40, so it's only going to get better from here. Very exciting. Want to move on to the mailbag? Let's do it. Awesome. Starting off with a question from King Goldchains. Uh, what do you think the ceiling and floor for Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks is this season? Love their talent, but does it translate into early playing time? Ceiling is like... All NBA or all rookie team. All NBA. My goodness. <laughs> what a year. Uh, all rookie team for Keontae George. I don't think Taylor Hendricks can get there because I don't see the pathway to getting the playing time because Lowry Markinen and Walker Kessler and John Collins are all going to play a lot. And guys who play 13 minutes off the bench don't make all rookie teams. Guys who play 25 minutes and accidentally put up a lot of numbers, a la Paulo Bancaro, who's actually very good, but he got so much opportunity. Walker got so much opportunity. Jalen Williams got so much opportunity. Those guys make all rookie teams. That's not going to happen for Taylor Hendricks this year. And he was always going to be a little bit of a project. So I don't see that for Taylor Hendricks. His ceiling might be, I'm a rotation guy. If he can do that as a rookie, a la Ochai last year, that's a really, really good year for Taylor Hendricks. So ceiling for Taylor in the rotation over the last 40 games of the season, playing 13 to 15 minutes a game. Ceiling for Keontae George is all-rookie team. And had he played like he did in the summer league and continued that on, I would have probably penciled him in as an all-rookie team member. Not in ink, but in pencil, I would have said I, he will be a favorite of the guards because he looked pretty advanced and because I think the Jazz backcourt, though deep, is pretty wide open. I don't know who starts at point guard. I think Jordan Clarkson starts at shooting guard. Maybe you start Jordan at the point and you put Ochai at the two. And then off the bench, like, Collins going to play, but who else plays? Are you dedicated to Taylor Horton Tucker getting on the floor? I'm not. Not because I don't like Taylor Horton Tucker, but he's got one year left on his deal, and you've got all this depth around him. But if you trade Collin or you trade Jordan, all of a sudden that clears 30 minutes and Keontae George can get on the floor. So best case scenario, he's in the rotation early in the season. Midway through the year, he does the Dante Exum thing where he takes over as the starter. Donovan Mitchell is a full-time starter 12 games into his NBA career. Honestly, that's like the ceiling. And those guys were all NBA or all rookie caliber players. Exum didn't make it, but was a pretty good rookie. Donovan obviously was the runner-up for rookie of the year. I think that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is he doesn't crack the rotation because he goes back to shooting his poor numbers he had at Baylor. The NBA game's a little too fast. His body's not where it needs to be. And the ankle is not, you know, as trustworthy as you would like it to be. So that's worst case scenario, I think, for him. Uh, obviously, I would go somewhere in the middle. But I, I, I would say this. More likely, he's all rookie than doesn't play at all. I think he's more likely to get there uh, than the other way around. Bryce Sensabaugh, no idea. Honestly, I just I don't know how he gets on the floor. Other than the fact that he might be a 40% three-point shooter. And if he does that, why are you giving Simone Fontecchio minutes over him? Who's the backup three right now behind Larry Markinen? I like Fontecchio. I thought he played well in, in extended minutes last year, but he's older. You're not as pot committed with him. He's in the last year of his contract. And you've got a guy in Bryce Sensabaugh who you drafted. 
GMs always play the guys they draft or they want to see the guys they draft, and he's young and has more upside. So that would be probably best-case scenario for him is he takes Simone Fontecchio's job. Worst-case scenario, he plays with the Stars all year. And that's not a bad scenario, just worst-case scenario. I actually see a path for Keontae and Hendricks to make all-rookie teams just because if you look at the positions of the class this year, the wing is the weakest spot. Yep. Like You have guys like the Thompson Twins and Scoot Henderson at guard, and then you have... Chet, who will be, well, Chet can make, Chet can make all rookie this time. He can, yep. Uh, and Wemby as well, unless Pop plays Wemby at the four, which is a possibility. But moving on from Jazzy Jeff, let's say we get to the trade deadline and the Jazz have performed well enough to be one piece away from contention. What would you say the Jazz need to target for the missing piece? What do you think we would actually give up for that piece? Probably going to be a point guard, and the idea would be Luka Doncic if he's available. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen this year. But I think if the Jazz feel like they're one piece away, it's going to be in the backcourt, specifically a floor general, a traditional point guard, if that even exists in the NBA anymore. But you know what? Like, crazy scenario. Golden State doesn't have the season they want. Chris Paul is coming off the bench and is having a good year. And they say, well, man, we just want to get out from his contract. And the Jazz say, we're a good point guard away. We saw what he did with the Phoenix Suns. Maybe that's a name you could go out there. And get at a real discount, even though he makes a lot of money, but you've got all these expiring contracts. Maybe the Warriors would be on board for a Kelly Olynyk, Taylor Horton Tucker type of swap, and you can get a guy like that. Now, of course, there's the Damian Lillard situation. If that goes bad and he still sits in Portland, maybe that's a name you address if you are one piece away from making a real run. Those are, I guess, a, po- a couple of possible names, but I would think it would be in the backcourt. It certainly wouldn't be in the front court. Definitely. Moving on to... Another question from Jazzy Jeff. He says, a lot of people think we should trade whatever it takes to get Luka. Do you agree? Or is there a line in the sand when it comes to what we should give up? I think when you're talking about players who are in the top five, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, there's nothing you don't give up. I agree. I don't know if it makes sense to have Luka Doncic on a team without Lowry Markkinen. I mean, that's been the problem in Dallas since he got there. And the problem is the best player he's ever played with outside of Dirk, and he never saw Dirk in his prime, is now Kyrie Irving, and they play the same position, and they both need the ball. So getting a player that can play off of Luka Doncic in Lowry Markkinen makes the most sense. Now, you are going to have to give up everything else. You probably, depending on the market for him, and there will be a huge market for Luka Doncic when when he demands a trade or whatever happens in Dallas, if you can hold on to... Lowry and Walker Kessler and say those two are untouchable. Take everything else you want, young players, draft picks, Colin Sexton, whatever. We will make it work. But it's not going to be those two. That might still be a competitive package, but there are going to be a lot of teams out there. But the Jazz and the Thunder are the only teams that have the draft capital. And the Thunder, with Shea Gildas-Alexander, may not be as high on Luka as they would a guy like Giannis if he ends up uh, hitting the, 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 the trade market. So that's where the Jazz could have a slight edge there and... Yeah, you pull that trigger for sure. I agree. Keontae, Taylor Hendricks, and then whatever other pieces in draft capital, that is a very enticing package. That's a good package. Yeah, and and that's why it's really important that Ochai hits. It's important that, you know, I I hate that Keontae hits, Taylor Hendricks hits. Like, I hate to just talk about these guys as trade pieces because my favorite part of the NBA is watching young guys develop, tracking them. They're the most fun to cover when they're young. They're ambitious. They're hungry. They're, you know, they don't have the money yet, so there's kind of a different mentality that they still have that is my favorite part of covering the nba is the young guys and seeing them grow and and the hope that comes with all of it how the fan base reacts i love that. that's why i love the draft but yeah you know like it's luca I mean, he has a chance to be one of the 20 greatest players of all time like he really is that talented uh could you go out and get him it's possible 
So, yeah, throw everything at them. If you can keep Lowry and Walker off the board, especially, you're really cooking. Thank you guys for tuning into the Jazz Notes podcast. You know, Ben, we're a month into this. It still feels as fresh as day one. Yeah, it's exciting to do. I like doing it. We've had good response. Uh, I know a lot of people have said they were happy to bring it back, including some people uh, who work in the business that we're excited that apparently are listening. So I uh, appreciate everyone who does listen. Love the mailbag segment. So always send in your questions. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Follow Chandler at Chandler Holt KSL. And of course, follow KSL Sports on X and Instagram at KSL Sports and read us at KSLSports.com. 